What's up, guys? Danny Pinto here from the Slice Song Podcast. Before we get uh, started on this episode, I just wanted to remind all of you that Manscaped is back as a proud sponsor of the Slice Song Podcast. Europe's best soccer is back this summer for the Euros, and you want to avoid a messy midfield and uh, clean it all up with Manscaped. Be a proper man this tournament and shave your balls with the brand new Lawnmower 4.0, which is now available in both the United States and Canada, and also get Manscaped's Ultra Smooth Package. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you, our Slash Song Podcast listeners. Get 20% off whatever you order, plus free shipping worldwide when you use the promo code SLESSONG at manscaped.com. That's S-E-L-E-C-A-O at manscaped.com. Get 20% and free shipping with the code SELESSON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SELESSON. Hit the target and sure up your D this Euros with Manscaped. This is Matthew Marshall from portugal.net. You're listening to the SELESSON podcast. Seymour's bending one for Torres. From the Slesson Podcast Studios, we welcome you to episode number 44 of the Slesson Podcast, a proud partner of Portugal.net and a member of of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. My name is Danny Pinto. I am your host. Thank you all so much for making this show a part of your podcast listening day. We are just days away from the beginning of Euro 2020 in what we hope is a successful defense of Portugal's inaugural uh, European Championship reign as uh, we are just a week away from Portugal's first group match in Budapest against Hungary on June the 15th. But... Before we talk about the senior squad in the upcoming episodes of this podcast, we are dedicating this one that you're listening to right now to our under-21s who reached the final of uh, the under-21 Euros, only to lose to Germany this past Sunday. A wonderful run by this uh, Esperanza generation, and we'll discuss it with Matthew Marshall of Portugal.net. Matthew was uh, in attendance for the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the final in Slovenia. So uh, we are uh, excited to talk to him about what this generation has uh, has done and uh, what this generation may offer to the senior squad in uh, in uh, maybe as soon as uh, a couple of years, maybe four or five years, but uh, just exciting to see what this generation may contribute to the senior side in the years to come. Uh, but first, don't forget to uh, you know check out all the ways you can follow, share, listen, and subscribe to this podcast. First and foremost, bookmark our website, 
slesonpod.com. Our YouTube channel is up and running. We've posted our last three episodes, including this one that you're listening to right now. Enter the Slesson Podcast in the search engine and please subscribe. More and more content is going to be coming through our YouTube channel, and we appreciate everyone who has already subscribed to our channel. Muito obrigado there. Uh, remember, follow us on Twitter at Pod. Hit us up on Instagram at Pod. Facebook.com slash Pod. You can email us via the website or just by simply reaching out to Pod at gmail.com. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or any other podcasting platforms. Simply enter the Slesson Podcast in your search engine. And if you are kind enough to leave a five-star rating and a nice word or two about the podcast in Apple Podcasts, that is always, always appreciated. So we will get to uh, our interview here with Matthew Marshall in just a minute. But first, guys, do we love barbecue? I think we do. And uh, I wanted to tell you about our partnership with Joseph Ray Barbecue Company uh, based out of uh, the Northern California Bay Area uh, here on the West Coast. Um, there's nothing better than eating and watching soccer, watching football. And if you don't have to be the one that prepares the food, it's even better. You could just go ahead and put a nice full plate of barbecue and some sides and just enjoy uh, what we hope is a long, long run in Europe uh, or in the, in the Euros, I should say, for our beloved Slesson. The uh, Joseph Ray Barbecue Company is much like this podcast. We are proudly Portuguese-American owned and operated. Uh, Joey does a tremendous job with tri-tips, ribs, briskets, pork belly, chicken. As I mentioned in the last episode, if it's had a pulse, Joey will put it on the grill and make it absolutely delicious. The best way to get that initial JRBC experience is to follow them on Instagram at Joseph underscore Ray underscore BBQ underscore CO and let your eyes do the eating. That's at Joseph underscore Ray, that's R-A-E underscore BBQ underscore CO. Send a message to JRBC on Instagram. Tell them that you heard about their delicious barbecue on the Slesson podcast and get your orders in today. That's the Joseph Ray Barbecue Company on Instagram and tell them that the Slesson podcast sent you. All right, everyone, thank you so much for uh, tuning in to episode number 44 of the Slesson podcast. I am your host, uh, Danny Pinto. Obviously, it is um, Euro 2020 week, uh, but we couldn't uh, talk about Euro 2020 uh, without talking about the under-21 side as the Slesson made the final. Uh, this generation making their third European final did not come up with the trophy this go-around, uh, but uh, if you were... If you were watching anything, if you're reading anything, you probably had uh, our uh, our next guest on uh, on your Twitter feed, and that is uh, Matthew Marshall of uh, Portugal.net. He was covering the under-21 Euros uh, for Tom Cundert's site, and uh, he is with us here on episode number 44 of the Slesson podcast. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us on episode number 44. How are you? Good, mate. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. You know, uh, I, I mentioned to you right before we uh, we hit record that I, I really loved your last um, your last tweet, uh, and it reads partially: "Losing finals are tough, but not as tough as reaching them. It's about much more than one game." Um, obviously, this generation is so very special uh, and has had so much success um, since you know the the under seventeens. It ends in disappointment, obviously, with the uh, with the loss in the final, and it's a final that um, you know it has eluded Portugal in in their history. It would have been their first, it would have been their first championship in the under twenty one Euros. But 
Um, so many positives to take away from this uh, from this group of players. Uh, but what was your overall uh, thoughts on the tournament, the final, and this, I guess, lead up towards what for many could be the last go around for this group of players? Yeah, it's definitely disappointing to lose the final. But as I said, you know, I think people get a bit carried away on, on one game and then the, the things that can happen in one game of football that could swing it either way. And I think there's no need to get too dispirited or, or upset or anything like that. Um, you do need to realise that this campaign was huge, just this, just this one tournament. They played 16 games going back almost two years. Um, and then you take it back even further, like to the under-17s. These A lot of these players have been together for, for five years or more. So... Um, you know, it, it's a progression. It's a development. It's 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 about much more than, than one game. And although it's obviously disappointing, and you would have loved to have been in the in the German uh, celebration mode, um, it's just the way the football goes, unfortunately. But it doesn't really change that much. You know, one result in one game, although disappointing as it was. But you know, overall, it was a successful campaign. Um, like any tournament, you know, the group stage. Well, the qualification stage, I should say, you're going to get a lot of average teams that Portugal will beat easily. Um, and then, you know, it gets tougher, but they, they did really well on the group stage, kept three clean, clean sheets. The game against Italy was fantastic, although they conceded three goals. And so they kept Spain out, although they were on the back foot for most of that game. And then against Germany, yeah, um, unlucky, you might say. We could break it down a bit later, but um, it doesn't – it shouldn't take away – yeah, the big picture, which is that uh, Louis Georges, you know, um, aim or job description is really just to get these players ready for not only the rest of their careers, but to get some of them into the, the senior side. And I think he did a pretty good job of that. You know, it, we um, and and for folks who don't know, uh, you know, Matthew covers uh, the uh, the on and and a lot of Portuguese football for for uh, Portugal .net, but. Matthew, you are based in Germany. Um, it's the under twenty ones, and you know Germany is a multi World Cup champion. But what has been the reception of the uh, these young these young the, these young German players uh, winning this tournament uh, in the country? I know you've only been back a couple of days, uh, actually, probably just one day. But uh, you know the, uh, the newspapers, media. What's the uh, what's the response to, to this uh, European championship for the under twenty ones? Honestly, I don't read a whole lot of news. Um, I try and sort of keep myself isolated from a lot of noise, I guess. But from what I gathered with the journalists and, and the people at the stadium, obviously, you know, they're elated. And I guess you could just transfer what Portugal would have been feeling, all those emotions of pride and um, excitement for how many of these guys are going to get into the senior team and how well they're going to develop. All those similar ideas, I guess, you were just feeling that on, on the German side. As you say, I, I, I uh, you know, had an eye on quite a few of the players. I was really lucky to see Riedel Baku on his debut for Mainz. Um, and he scored in the last minute. And I, I managed to talk to him in the press area after the game. And it's really interesting to, to see a guy on his first game. And now to see him again, um, he's just blossomed into a really, really good player. He's so versatile, really good guy. And, um, yeah, thrilled for him. And, you know, uh, Nemecha... Uh, obviously, Florian Verts, they've got a lot of talented players. Arne Meyer, he's been on the, you know, he's been playing in Bundesliga for years. So um, it's just going to be just going to be the same things that Portugal would have been feeling if we had won the final, just pride. And, um, yeah, they had quite a lot of support there, as you can imagine, with a, a pretty short drive. But, um, yeah, 
Um, unfortunately, I don't take a lot of news into my. <laughs> I try, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Just, with everything, it sounds might sound weird to people, but I, I try not to get influenced by a whole lot of noise and what other people are saying about things. I try not to let things influence what what I think about what's going on and, and certain players. Obviously, there'll be a lot of crossover and a lot of similarities, but I try and sort of. Yeah, shut myself off from a lot of a lot of what's going on, a lot a lot of what people are saying. Um, but yeah, Germany did really well, and they you know they they, they deserved the title. They won the game, and uh, that's all that really matters. We're talking with uh, Matthew Marshall of uh, Portugal.net. He covered the under twenty one European Championship for uh, Portugal.net. You could follow Matthew on Twitter at Noobs Corp. That is N O O B Z. C O R P. We are uh, discussing the uh, the European Championship on the under twenty one side here on episode number forty four of the Celestion Podcast. I'm your host Danny Pinto. Uh, you know, Matthew, uh, such a weird uh, dynamic this uh, this European Championship on the under twenty one side, where you had group play in March, and then you had the knockouts in late May and the early part of June. Uh, and I remember discussing this with uh, with Alex Gonsalves of uh, of Tuga Scout, where it's like. How are they going to do the teams in the knockouts? Is it the same team that it was called up in March? Because, I mean, it's a tournament. You don't get to really change your team in the tournament uh, normally. Uh, but the fact that you were able to, some, some changes from, um, from March to, uh, to this go-around in the knockouts, uh, most notably, uh, you know, he had Pedro Gonçalves, who started all three of the group matches. He got called up to the senior squad. Uh, Francisco Trincão uh, with a COVID, uh, was it COVID contact? Wasn't a, a positive COVID test, but he was out. As well as uh, Thierry Cujaya, uh, he also started all uh, all the matches uh, on the uh, on the right hand side of the defense at right back for um, for Portugal during group play. So those changes and the obviously the the caliber of opponent being a little higher. Um, other than those factors, what can you pinpoint to the, you know, the difference between three clean sheets in the in the group stage and then having a much tougher time in the uh, in the knockout stages um, compared to the group stages? Well, the level of opposition went up, I would say, and yeah, for sure, losing Trincao and uh, Thierry Correa was was bad news. And if you if you we want to switch that and take Riedel Baku out of Germany's team and and Wurz or the match, like those those two guys were pretty much that important to Portugal, um, so that was definitely a huge blow. And you know you could look at it even further and, and look at the other guys that got called up and Nuno Mendes and Pedro Neto even he could have been there if if if, sure. um, if things had gone a different way. And as you said, Pedro Gonzalez. So. Um, yeah, calls up to the national side and also those two guys missing out just on the eve of the, the knockout rounds was a big blow for Portugal for sure. And, um, yeah, I think I think Louis-Georges, we'll talk about tactics a bit later if you want, but um, it really affected, I think, what happened up front. You know, Trincao is such a, an important player. He scored two goals in the group stage. We all know his quality. You don't move to Barcelona for no reason. And, you know, he's been a big part of this squad throughout the, the previous, um, you know, going back to the, the, the earlier years. So that was that was a huge blow, no doubt. Um, he, he put Tavares at left back in the first game and then brought in uh, Abdu Conta, who did, did, did pretty well against Spain um, and then faded against, against Germany a bit. Um, but, 
Yeah, it, it was definitely a blow and for sure hurt Portugal's chances of winning the tournament. But um, you can't really fault their effort, I don't think. You know, we could get into, I guess, individual players if you want a bit later. But um, I think the level of opposition went up. You could say Spain were the best team in the tournament, mate. If, you know, you could say Spain would have beaten Germany. But as again, you know, one game, that's what I've realised after going to so many games and it's just so the fine margins, you know. People Absolutely. go on. After one result, people go on about so much. But it's really, you know, uh, Thiago Tomas had a really good chance early on, just missed. Of course, Wurtz hit the post in the final. And then, you know, Vitinha, he just completely choked uh, at the end of the first half. Yeah, that was, was huge. If that was Tinkar or if that was Fabio Vieta, nine times out of ten, that's a goal. So right on the stroke of halftime, Portugal take the lead. Completely different game. So, yeah, a lot of so many variables. <laughs> so Absolutely. Many could, have, could have changed the outcome of the, of the final. But um, for sure, losing to those two guys is huge. Um, but, you know, that's just the luck of the draw. You know, Matthew, let's let's go to the um, the missed opportunity uh, that Vitinha had right at the end of the half, in the, in the end of the first half, and then less than five minutes into the second half, um, Portugal suffers that goal um, to that was the decider. You were there at the stadium. You were you were watching the match live. Um, it seemed watching it on TV that obviously Portugal was always chasing after that uh, after that goal. Um, once they suffered the uh, the one goal from Germany, but was there a how was how, was it a measurable kind of deflating moment? Was it like how was the reaction in person compared to maybe on TV? Because like I said, on TV they just kept chasing and they just couldn't put it together. But what was in person? How was the uh, the reaction uh, in your uh, in your eyes? Well, that was such a long way to go. It, it wasn't you know it wasn't. A devastating blow at all because it happened just after half time. There was plenty of time to, to make it up, and Portugal had looked good at the beginning of the game. They'd looked good, you know, in, in the five minutes previous to half time. Um, but with any team chasing a game, and especially you, you see so much of the games with the young guys where they just, they just don't have that experience, and you know, you see a lot of those teenage traits coming out in, in these teams where they just don't have the composure, they lose their shape quite easily. Um, and they just don't have that experience of, 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 you know, overcoming these deficits in games of these this, these magnitudes, you know. So um, it was obvious that, that um, Germany were going to hit Portugal on the counter-attack and they had guys off the bench with plenty of pace that could do that. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely disappointing, but at no, I wasn't, you know, even, even against Spain, at, at no point was I super worried or super thinking Portugal's going to lose. Actually, 20 minutes to go, I was pretty, I was pretty um, confident Portugal were going to win. Um, as I say, it's just things can go either way. And when, when you have periods of pressure like Spain had at the beginning of the second half in the semifinal where they hit the post and they, they should have scored for sure. Um, so I guess there's some similarities with that in the Germany game um, where, you know, coming out after half time wasn't great. But... Um, yeah, I was sort of, again, in the press area, really isolated by myself, you know, with the COVID stuff going on. And uh, I was actually closer to the German supporters, so I couldn't really sense the, the Portuguese how, the supports how that was. Well, you, you live in Germany, Matthew. You just want to cover your bases, I guess, right? <laughs> um, well, I know, you know, the German football culture is is, is second to none. It's, sure. it's, it's sensational. 
you can't compare going to Bundesliga games to Portuguese Premier League. It's, it's two different things. Even Porto, Benfica, all the big, it's, it doesn't compare to, to Bundesliga games. Um, so I have a lot of respect for, for German supporters, yeah, and what, what they do, the way they get together, the way they uh, protested about the Monday night games and, and forced the DFB to, to get rid of them, where in Portugal you still got these crappy, you know, Monday night late kickoffs and you don't know who's playing like next week and you can't plan your trip. So, yeah, I've got an affinity, obviously, for both teams. So it was interesting to be there with, with, <laughs> with both teams in the final for sure. We're talking with uh, Matthew Marshall here on episode number 44 of the Slesson podcast. I'm your host, Danny Pinto. Um, Matthew, you mentioned Hui George, and again, his job, uh, for the most part, is to get these uh, young players uh, ready for uh, the next phase of their career, which is either a step up to the national side or uh, a step up in club football. Uh, but obviously, when you get to a final, uh, you obviously want to win that final. You want to get that trophy. I'm not really looking for a kind of a uh, uh, an opinion of Hui George in like overall, but let's look at the final. And I think the first the first maybe question came at halftime, not so much with Rafael Liao coming in, but having Danny Malta go out. Um, in your opinion, was that a maybe? I don't want to say the right move, but. Uh, and I don't think it was a move that cost them anything, in my opinion, because they still had every opportunity. But was that like a head scratcher for you uh, coming out, uh, coming out of the the locker room for the second half? My initial thought when I saw him warming up was, was that you know Portugal were looking to run in behind quite a lot, and um, you know Abdou Conte released Danny Motta quite a lot down the left in the in the opening you know minutes of the game, and they got their first chance through that that channel. So I didn't. My initial thought was they're going to keep doing that. They're going to do more of it, and Liao maybe has more pace. Um, so that was my initial thought of it. But, yeah, I've, I've rated Danny Motta really highly throughout the whole qualification phase. So um, quality for quality, of course, people are going to look at the, the market values and the teams they play for. Um, and unfortunately, in the press conference, you know, you only get one question. I would have asked him about it. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think any of the journos did. Um, um, so yeah, I wasn't able to ask him exactly why it happened, uh, why he, he decided to do that. But my initial thought was just that they're going to try and exploit that, you know, that, those channels and, and maybe Liao has more pace, but, um, you know, I was at the under 20 world cup two years ago and a lot of these players were, were there. And one thing I've learned as, as a, I guess, a journalist going to a lot of matches and talking to managers and players is that I'm, I'm far far less critical now um, than I was before I started doing that because you're talking you're talking to these guys. You're standing next to them. You're not just at your keyboard in a different country miles away. It's a completely different thing. So I'm still critical, I think, when I, when I need to be or when I think there's a legitimate reason to be, but I try not to be critical that much. But I, I just got a huge feeling at the Under-20 World Cup that, that – Jetson and, and uh, Rafael Leal had some attitude issues. I, I'll put it nicely like that. Um, maybe they sort of feel like they're too good to be there or something, which is maybe doesn't make sense in a way, but it just something didn't look right um, with those two guys. And I still haven't changed my opinion two years later. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't want to go too far with that, but it's just something I, I noticed two years ago and something I still think exists. You know, obviously they've got a long way to go in their career, but I think attitude plays a big part in these tournaments. And maybe man for man, you saw Germany with a superior attitude. All right, fair enough. Um, let, let's talk about some of the players. Um, I believe there were five players that made the all-tournament uh, team. Uh, Dio Costa, Dio Queiroz, uh, Bragança, Vitinha, uh, Fabio... I'm sorry, maybe not Bragança. I think Vitinha, Fabio Vieira, and then uh, Danny Mota. Um, you know, I, again, the, the thing with these under-21s, 23s, it's all about getting to the goal of these players is to get to the next level. Um, and with the, this group of players is in a very weird transition in terms of, um, going from the under 21s there, there is no, there is no Olympics for, for these players to, to play on the under 23 team. They failed to qualify uh, for Tokyo this summer. The Olympics won't happen for another three years. Maybe some of these younger players could, if Portugal gets to the, to the Olympics, uh, in three years, perhaps they could put on that Slesong shirt again. But these players that I mentioned, and you know, first and foremost, uh, Dio Costa kept the Slesong in this match uh, numerous times, uh, and he was going he was going hockey style with these kick saves uh, <laughs> on both ends. Um, to me, I think he is a a logical successor eventually to Hui Patrice. Um, and and Anthony Lopsch, I could see him take that third um, that third spot uh, from from guys like Ahui Silva or Zesa, whoever it is. But um, talk about who you think might be ready to go, maybe sooner rather than later. Some players who might need that first team club experience first before making a claim to get to uh, the senior side of the Slesson, and perhaps maybe some players who we might not see again in terms of making a big difference uh wearing the uh the green and red of uh, of portugal again yeah it's a it's a good question and a lot of it obviously depends on the on the depth of the senior side and and the, what what position you play and and, and obviously vitinha um has a big future but he's going to get stuck behind a lot of excellent players on the senior side for for quite a while you would imagine um we'll start from the back end yeah Diego Costa had a fantastic game, and if I was Porto, I would just put him straight in the first team. Um, you know, these guys need to play. A lot of these guys, same story. They just they need to play. Um, Diego Late has always worried me. I've always he's always I've always got nervous when the ball goes near him. But he was he had his best game I've ever seen him play in the in the semi final against Spain. I thought he was immense. I thought he was pretty good also in the final. Um, I always thought that. Diogo Kedos was superior to Diogo Lakes, but um, obviously he's at Famalicão now. Um, and I don't know if either of those two guys are going to step up. They need to do more at club level, obviously. Um, but you, you would have thought that center, central defensive position, we've been talking about it for how many years now with the senior side, who's going who's to come through. I don't know if these two guys are going to do it. It might be the two youngest at, at Sporting do it before them. It could be Thiago Gelo. I don't know. Um, Thiago Delot, obviously, is playing at AC Milan. He's improved in two years. You can see it. He basically got dropped in the Under-20 World Cup. He was so poor. But he's the, obviously, you can see his improvement. Still got a lot to work on. All these guys have so much to work on. 
Um, and obviously, Nuno Mendes has already gone up, so there's no real left backs you would really mention. Um, Florentino Luis, just terrible, terrible decision to go to Monaco. I don't know who advised him, or just a terrible decision. Of course, in hindsight, but he's just lost a whole year of his career going there. And, you know, Luis George had to drop him and bring in Bedaganza, who I don't think is a natural holding midfielder. Um, and you could see that, yeah, Florentino, obviously, he gave up the ball for Germany's first great chance. He gave up the ball again late on. And he's just a, that split second off the pace, having not played. And, yeah, he's lost a whole lot of development. So he has to play somewhere. He's still got a lot of potential for sure, but he's got to start playing somewhere. But Agansa, again, I don't, I don't see him as a holding midfielder personally. And, again, he's going to get stuck behind heaps of guys in the, in the, in the, in the senior squad. Who else we got? I've said that Fabio Vieira is the best player in this team since qualification. That was assuming Trincao wasn't there. He'd gone to the senior side. But, yeah, I've had wraps on Fabio Vieira for, for ages. And, yeah, he, he deserved player of the tournament. He's, he was just a one-man show in the final. Just, he, it's just everything. Everything is going through him. He's super versatile. But as um, I asked uh, Louis George about him at the after the final, and, and he admitted he's got a lot to work on. You know, he's got to work on his positional play, his defensive play, his, um, those sort of fundamentals. But you know, his vision, his technical ability, passing. You know, he he, he could have scored from halfway in the final. Um, wasn't that far off, really. Yeah. And he's capable of assists. He's cool under pressure. As I say, he goes through instead of Vitinha. That's pretty much a goal. Um, so. Yeah, if you're sort of thinking Vitinha, Fabio Vieira, just look at that moment. And that will probably tell you a bit about the two players. But, again, he's got to play. I don't think he's a Sergio Conceição type of player. He's probably got to leave Porto. Um, where he goes, I've got no idea. But it's, you know. And who else we got? Danny Motta. Fascinating, fascinating guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, reading up a little bit on him, it's like, it's you know, again, I, I focus more on the senior side, but... As this tournament progressed, you get to learn about more and more about these young guys, and you try to figure out where they fit in the in the senior side future. And uh, but just reading about him, yeah, he's a fascinating character. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's fairly intelligent on the field, on the pitch. He, he he's very clever, does a lot of good things on and off the ball, makes great runs. He's you saw with those finishes. I mean, the beautiful overhead kick and that left foot volley oh. just smashed it past the keeper. Um, you sort of worry about him when he's going to take a guy on one-on-one and he sort of puts his head down a bit and doesn't really have that dribbling ability. You see, he's pretty good close to guys, but when he has to sort of beat them from a little bit of a distance, he doesn't really have that skill. Um, so interesting if he stays in Monza for another season in Serie B office, yeah, if someone takes a chance on him at a higher level and if he gets enough playing time to step up, who knows? Thiago Tomas, we know. Um, you know, he's got a fantastic future. He came into this squad really late. Um, Rafael Leon, we, we've already touched on my concerns about him. Uh, who are we missing? Am I missing someone? Let me just have a quick cheat sheet here. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, while you're doing that, uh, the Jetson Fernandes is a fascinating, uh, I guess, case study in, you know, Benfica didn't work out for him or he was, or, you know, Zemurin wanted him at Spurs. Uh, as a Spurs fan myself, I was excited to have a Portuguese player there. Never really materialized. They even tried to they tried him at right back at some point. Um, just never it never molded into anything concrete on the loan move. 
Uh, he then goes to Turkey. Doesn't even go back to or goes uh, back to Benfica after that loan in uh, in um, in London uh, falls through and, and doesn't uh, doesn't materialize to do to anything positive. Um, but he's a, he's one that the, the talent is all there. Uh, but it could be a case where, as you mentioned, maybe it's a guy with you know a, a higher opinion of himself than maybe others do. Um, but uh, but he's one that has some, I think, has a handful of senior side um, caps as well. Um, so he's one of those guys that could make it has all the potential to do it. But in that midfield, as you've mentioned on a number of these guys, that's a loaded, it's a logjam there for sure. Exactly, and you know, as I said getting back to being critical. I mean, you don't know these guys. You don't know what they've gone through in their lives. You don't know what's going on off, off the pitch. Have they got some drama going on? You know, there's so many variables could be going on. So that's why you don't really want to read massive amount into stuff like body language. You know, guys like, let's say, Dimitar Berbatov, you know, well, he's lazy. Very easy to make that, that mistake. Um, so you've got to be a little bit careful. But, you know, as I said, I've seen these guys play a fair bit been around them in, in that environment and, you know, maybe they just have to, they're going to mature a bit later. You know, plenty of players hit their peak a bit later. Maybe they didn't need some some guidance, some uh, some mentoring. You don't know. Maybe they need that, that particular coach. They've got to come up against that particular coach to bring the best out of them. You don't know. But, yeah, Jetson, he's, he's gone downhill, you might say. I thought that Muta Tottenham was, was, didn't make any sense for anybody. I, I don't know why that happened. Um, and again, he's lost that chance to develop. Really, I guess he played a bit in Turkey, but we'll have to see what happens with him. And who else we got? We've got Romario Baro. I mean, he's, he's got some potential, but again, he has to play. Uh, Francisco Conceição is an interesting one, isn't he? Because obviously, um, you know, he's played a bit at Porto, and you know, he scored two goals off the bench. Looks like a, a very promising player. Pretty, pretty tricky. He's got a lot of confidence in, in his ability, and you, again, you, you you like what you see with him sure. off, off the ball, attitude, desire. Um, you know, again, you contrast that with the other two guys we sort of discussed, and, and and you like what you see with him, and you can see massive, massive room for development with him. So he's he's got a bright future. It's just interesting to see what happens. Jota is another guy who's been super important for the all of these youth teams. And again, moved to uh, to to the La Liga and really moved to a poor team. Had some injury issues. Didn't really do much there. But you know, when he plays for Portugal, he tends to he tends to step up. You know, he he's always always does well. Always keen. Always hungry. Always looking to make something happen. I always like watching him play. But his club decision or his club form is a little bit of a worry. Gonzalo Ramos again. You see some 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 sparks from him. All these guys, a lot of them are in that boat where they, they need to play. They have to sure. play. So whether that means dropping out of a, a top three team in Portugal and stepping down a level and just getting that, that time under their belt, which you've seen, we could talk about heaps of players that that's happened to, you know, um, that are now going back to top three clubs. You know, there's quite a few of them. Um, so it's just going to have to wait and see. But if I had to make a, a decision on who would in the next five years Fabio Vieira, as I said, he's 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 got huge, massive potential. Vitinha, we know, um, but I'm, I'm I'm thinking Francisco Conceição could be could be one of those guys that really takes a, a big step up in the next couple of years. So I, I think he's got massive potential. Um, you know, there's a lot of players 
have similar skill sets. You look at Trincao, Vieira, Constantin, they're all, you know, they, they can all play on that right wing. They've all got the left foot. Um, but his age, you know, he's going to get a lot of chances now with uh, with some of the other guys, I guess, becoming uh, ineligible. So, yeah, it's fantastic. But I think, yeah, Fabio Vieira, Bettinia, he'll, he'll take a little while with the, the traffic in front of him and then probably Constantin. You know, it's been a great run for the uh, for these uh, Esperanças, uh, this uh, this generation ninety nine, and it, it uh, for all intents and purposes, has come to an end. Given, like you said, the uh, the uh, being aged out of uh, any other um, you know a Portugal team other than the under twenty threes, which is not going to be a reality for I would say the majority of these guys, because by the time that gets going, they'll have aged out as well. But uh, in in hearing the conversation, I, I'm I'm of the opinion uh, like you, where um, there's opportunities in in these in some of these areas for these current under 21 players to make their mark on the senior side. Um, right from the get go, like with Dio Costa, I think he, I think I personally think he could step in and be part of the team, not be the number one, but he could get to the senior side. And I don't think anyone would have a uh, an issue with him being the number three. Uh, you look at the senior side with Pep and with Jeff Font in the uh, at center back. Who's going to be that next young player to step up with Ruben Dias now? Um, you know, late and Queiroz, they they proved that they are very capable. You mentioned the young the young guys at Sporting as well. Uh, there's a pipeline there. We just have to figure out where that pipeline is going to come from. Uh, Nunes is already on the uh, on the left hand side for Portugal at some point. Uh, that's that's pretty much in pen. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, traffic to get through on the right backside. Uh, if you're in an under 21, uh, when you guys when you got guys like uh, João Conselo and Ricardo Pereira and Nelson Smith and even Cedric for a little bit uh, in the midfield, I love what you brought uh, about uh, with Fabio Vieira. Uh, I think he's that next guy with Vitinha, but it's it's all a matter of where and when because João Moutinho is really the only one who's going to age out anytime soon. You still have some. You still yeah. have some guys uh, like uh, William and uh, and uh, and Daniel Pereira who are you know they're uh, up you know older and, and when I say older they're in their uh, their late twenties early thirties uh, still a few years left to go. I, I honestly think the toughest spot to get in is probably up front because of guys like Felix and Diogo Jota and you know Trincao's already had a handful of uh, of uh, of appearances too for the senior side. Uh, Andres Silva is still very much a, a factor. Uh, we, it's an unknown yet because he just hasn't had the consistency in big tournament play. Uh, Gonçal Guedes, you never know. He's been injured uh, the last year and a half, but he's on the squad this time. So, Matthew, this is all in a roundabout way to say is there's plenty of talent on this senior side. There's talent coming from these younger sides. Uh I would be of the opinion, and I'd like to get your thoughts. Uh, your final thoughts here is: Where do you see the this this um, this bridge? I guess uh, of of talent, um, you know, contributing to this lesson in the next uh, two to three years is. I, there, to me, there should be no reason why they can't continue the success that the senior side has had in the last uh, half decade or so. Yeah, as, as we we mentioned, so much just comes down to the, the position, you know. And, I, yeah, Diego Costa was a, a guy I didn't mention, but, yeah, the only reason I didn't is because you can't see Rui Patricio going anywhere for, oh, <laughs> sure. yeah. for ages. So that's why I guess I didn't go into him into more detail. I guess we did at the beginning of the, of the discussion. But, 
Um, it's just a complete mystery. I mean, that's a fascinating thing about these these youth teams is that a lot of these players, you're really never going to hear from them again. Well, you will, you know, you will if you're paying attention to lower leagues or, you know, down the bottom of the Pumeda League or somewhere like that. But, and as I, as I mentioned, that a lot of people I think just don't think about is, is what's going on with these these guys. Like, they've lived 20 years. You know, they've all got their own histories. They've all got so much going on. And without that right sort of mentorship and that right leadership and the right coaching, you're just not going to reach your potential. So, um, you know, I think... Portugal's in a lucky position in a way that they don't need a whole lot of guys to step up from the youth team right now. Sure. Um, we've already, it's already happened with, as you said, Nuno Mendes and, and Gonzalez now offers another body in, in midfield. Yeah. Um, and as I said, as you said, there's so much strength up front with, with Andre Silva and Jota and, and Felix and, and, and all those guys. So there's not a huge need for a lot of these players to step up. As we said, center back is the, is the main one. Um, and I'm not sure if Leitz or Kedosh are going to be anywhere near the Selassam senior side anytime soon. I don't see it happening. Um, I just don't see it happening for some reason. So we might have to wait for the next, you know, batch, the next, you know, group of guys to come through and, and you know, next under-19 championship, next under-21 championship, and maybe then we'll, we'll have that guy. You know, like Garuban uh, Diaz or someone that's really obvious in that central defensive position. But, you know, Portugal's in a lucky position there. They're stacked, you could say, in, in so many other positions. But I just want to go back to Fabio Vieira. Sure. Because I love his game. And I, I'm kicking myself that I didn't ask him this question after the game, which was, what's your best position? Because what was really interesting with Rui Jorge is that, if you remember in the first group game, Vieira didn't even start. And then he came off the bench and scored the winning goal. Mm-hmm. Second game, he starts. Trincao doesn't start. But you know these both these guys have to start. So what Louis George did was basically move away from the wingers, you know, the, 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 the four, three, three, you might say, basically just to accommodate Fabio Vieira in the team with Trincao. And because he couldn't play them both on the right wing and he wasn't going to play one of them on the left wing or Vieira on the left wing, he basically had to play him in the 10 position um, and then move Trincao more centrally and then play that 4-3-1-2. Mm-hmm. So Louis George almost changed the entire formation to accommodate Fabio Vieira. Um, so he needs to think super carefully about does he stay at Porto and where does he play? What, is, what, is he, what does he want to be? Which is what Louis George says after the match, you know. Um, he needs to work on his defensive game, but he's... These next couple of years are crucial for him, you know. He's one of those players where, in a way, you need to give him freedom. You need to give him the, the keys to the team. Sergio Conceição is not going to do that. Um, so, you know, it's going to be fascinating because he has – I think he's got massive, massive potential. I think he's got bigger potential than Bettinia. He just needs to play. He needs to get into the right situation. He needs to figure out what his best – position is. I don't really think it's on the wing, um, but he can do a job there for sure. Um, so, yeah, 
I feel like I'm 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 the the president of the Fabio Vieira fan club or something. Hey, so, some, but, um, someone someone has to be Matthew. It's all right, man. <laughs> I'll start it. I'll start it. I'll take take some. Uh, yeah. Listen, as a as a Benfica, as a Benfica fan, I listen. I, I I'm a Benfica fan through and through. But when it when it's when it's red and green uh, on the same uh, on the same pitch in terms of the, the uniform, I want to see all these guys succeed. And uh, I, I'm with you. I think. One, it was well deserved that he won Player of the Tournament, and he, among a handful of these guys, sky's the limit if they get the opportunity. And, and I think that's one, the number one thing that we uh, that we can agree on. I think with this with this uh, with this Esperanza uh, generation here is everything's there for them if if they get the opportunity. You know, whether they 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 go lower a lower tier of of Primera Liga or you know it, they got to get. They got to get their run. They got to get their minutes under their legs. The 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 game time, not only in these uh, in these major tournaments, but throughout their seasons. And if they get that, there's no reason why these guys can't make an impression in the next handful of years on the senior side uh, for the Slesson as well. Yeah, if you look at uh, obviously Bruno Fernandes, you know he took a a very unusual path, you might say, and and look what's happened now. So. You know, it's just we've seen Gedge obviously go to PSG and 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 obviously Sanchez go to Bayern Munich. So on and on, this has happened before. It's going to happen again. Players have to be very, very, very smart, very, very careful, and make the right decision where they go. And um, yeah, it's just so crucial at this stage of their development to do that. You've seen Florentino lose so much of his of his time, and then what he could have turned into right now—he's he's gone backwards a year. So, yeah, so many questions for these guys, and they—a lot of it is on them and their decision. They have to make a good one and a smart one, and go to a different league, go to a different country, whatever it is, um, and get that playing time. It's essential for them to reach their potential. And I hope that some of them, you know, go a bit left field, go somewhere where they can be that main man and then get a couple of years of really solid football under their belt, gain that confidence, get that first team action, work on their all the parts of their game they need to work on and turn into that complete player and then hit, hit that senior side running. Well, Matthew, I can't uh, thank you enough for for joining us here on episode number 44, uh, taking a look back at the uh, the under-21 tournament. Uh, in the Euros uh, for our Slesson. Just did not oh, – we almost got it. Almost got it. Uh, it was a valiant effort. Uh, yeah, just a little bit, yeah. Uh, but we, uh, you know, we appreciate uh, the coverage you uh, you provided us uh, over at, uh, at Portugal.net. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Let him know he did a, a tremendous job not only covering uh, the, uh, the tournament but also um, a great job here on episode number 44 of the Slesson Podcast. Follow Matthew on Twitter at – Noobs Corp. That is a N O O B Z C O R P. Matthew, again, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to uh, talking to you soon in the very near future. Thanks for having me on, mate, and uh, enjoy the Euros. Forza, let's win it. Let's Two do it. Let's go. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you, Matthew. No worries. See you later. And our thanks once again to Matthew Marshall uh, for joining us on episode number 44 of the Slesson podcast, breaking down the under-21 European Championships. And, uh, yeah, Portugal just could not get to the finish line uh, first. Uh, they finished second in the tournament, uh, capping off, as as we mentioned, just a, uh, a wonderful run for this generation, uh, this uh, Esperanças generation, uh, an under-17 and an under-21 
2019 European Championship and just fell short of uh, getting the uh, elusive uh, under-21. And uh, it will be very interesting to see in the next um, handful of years uh, where some of these players end up, whether it's uh, you know playing for the Celeste Song on the senior side and what kind of a, uh, a club career uh, the majority of these guys will have as uh, this is likely the last time that the majority of these guys and these and the big number that is uh, this uh, this 99 generation uh, will play together. Um, you know, a couple of uh, already a couple of the players already have uh, applied their trade a little bit with the senior side, uh, Noon Mensch and uh, Joan Felix. Uh, you have Pedro Gonçalves who has uh, just been called up for uh, Euro 2020, and uh, then you have uh, Francis Trincan who uh, was supposed to be on the under 21 roster but has made and has spent some time with the senior squad as well. Will be interesting to see where this squad goes from here, but uh, just a huge congratulations on a job well done and a run uh, for the ages for this young generation of Slesson players. So that will do it for episode number 44 of the Slesson podcast. Just wanted to get uh, some updates for you guys before we get out of here. As a reminder, uh, as uh, the tournament gets uh, going in earnest, uh, we will have uh, Eric Krakauer of BN Sports be our uh, Portugal match uh, analyst. Uh, he is uh, kind enough to uh, join us and will be uh, joining us uh, after uh, after each and every match, uh, including a, a preview of the Hungary match, and then we'll uh, do a, a review preview kind of deal uh, on uh, all subsequent episodes. Hopefully, uh, I would say our last episode will hopefully be in the middle of July after uh, we uh, figure out uh, how we celebrate being two-time European champions. So, uh, my thanks again to Eric uh, for uh, making the time there. Uh, we do have a uh, another uh, another episode that I don't want to jinx just yet. Um, it will be uh, dropping uh, later on this week, uh, but we're hoping to connect with uh, with uh, with another gentleman to give us a, a broad preview of a Euro 2020 and give us his thoughts on the song as well. So I don't want to jinx that yet, but uh, things look good, and uh, hopefully we'll have a couple of episodes for you uh, on the weekend. So. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Pod, Facebook.com slash Pod. Email the show, SlessOnPod at gmail.com. Of course, go to our new YouTube page or YouTube channel. Uh, search The Slesson Podcast on YouTube and it'll find you, it'll send you, I should say, right to our channel. Of course, bookmark our uh, website, SlessOnPod.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or any other podcasting platforms. Simply enter the Slesson Podcast in your search engine. And again, if you're uh, kind enough to uh, give us a five-star rating and a nice word or two on the uh, about the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, again, we uh, enter uh, the uh, final days before the tournament begins. Hungary, June 15th in Budapest. Uh, Germany, June 19th in Munich. And then back in Budapest on June the 23rd for France. Uh, obviously a tough, tough group indeed uh, but if uh, but if we have our uh, our eyes on the prize uh, there's uh, no reason why this last song cannot get out of this uh, group and uh, do some damage in the knockouts as well again a reminder to get 20% off and free shipping with the code Celestong at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Celestong that's S-E-L-E-C-A-O hit the target and sure up your D this Euros with Manscaped and of course go to uh, Joseph Ray Barbecue Company on Instagram for a quote for uh, some delicious barbecue this Euros tournament. My name is Danny Pinto. I have been your host 
of this list on podcast, a proud partner of Portugal.net and a member of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcasting Network. And as always, Força Portugal!